My name's Megan O'Donnell. I'm the Head of Research at Phoenix Australia, Centre for Post-Traumatic Mental Health, and I'm a professor in the Department of Psychiatry at the University of Melbourne. And really my role at Phoenix is to head up a portfolio of research. And that research is really focused on understanding the consequences of exposure to trauma and traumatic stress. Uh, it's, in, it's also looking at how we can facilitate recovery. And then also if someone develops a psychiatric disorder as a consequence of trauma exposure, how do we best treat um, those presentations? So that's my day job, but I've also had the delight in being the chair of the scientific committee for ACOTS this year. So that's kept me busy. And, um, and really the, the thing that I'm really excited about ACOTS this year is that we, um, as really nicely is encapsulated by our title, which is challenging the status quo, uh, really, we've put together a program where we're thinking about how do we move the field forward? Where, where are the issues and how, how do we move the field forward? So that's, that's a, what I'm really excited in ACOS this year. And before we come on to talk about the conference, let's just do that. Let's put it into context. You know, 2021, you know, it's a pretty horrendous planet. War displaced populations, pandemic, you know, massive impact on trauma and mental illness for people. Do you think we can kind of actually provide services over the coming years that can meet the demand? Yeah, it's a challenge for us. And as someone who's just been gone back into lockdown for an unspecified period of time, uh, I certainly can relate to the millions of people who are really struggling with the impact of, of COVID on their families, on their work, their work, and uh, just trying to juggle all that is COVID. Uh, and there's a challenge for us, isn't there? There's a challenge in how do we deliver care to people remotely. There's a challenge about, um, and certainly in our clinic, what we're seeing really clearly is the impact of COVID on people who actually were kind of doing okay they were getting by and they were managing their lives. And then COVID's come along and really that extra stress and the, the environment that's so challenging has impacted on their mental health in such a way their PTSD has become worse or they can't function as well as they used to or they've got a lot of comorbidity associated with their kind of um, trauma presentations. So at our clinic, we're seeing people who are much more severely impacted and the comorbidity and the kind of consequences of, of COVID on their presentations leads to a much more, um, much more complexity in our treatment. So we're having to kind of, you know, everyone's talking about pivoting and all that is involved with the delivery of mental health services remotely. But I do think that the learnings from that is that we can deliver effective mental health interventions remotely, whether it's early interventions or, or whether it's actually, you know, delivering treatments to people with PTSD. We can do that really effectively. And, and so, you know, in some ways we'll be in a different place when 
COVID finishes, and I think access to digital technologies and the delivery of interventions, whether they be early interventions or tertiary interventions, will be much more accessible. So, you know, in many ways, I'm very hopeful for the future in terms of people's access to mental health services. Just ask you a follow-up question on that, just because I'm personally interested. Are those digital interventions that we're developing just digital versions of existing face-to-face interventions? Or are we starting to see digital interventions being developed for trauma, PTSD, which are actually kind of new innovation? Look, I think it'll be a combination. I think we can deliver telehealth interventions of our current interventions. I'm also seeing novel ways of integrating digital technology to support the delivery of interventions. So, for example, using um, ecological momentary assessment, EMA, uh, in a way that, you know, sends text messages to people to remind them to do their homework or to do something that they said that they would do as part of their recovery you know, those kinds of technologies are aids in helping people um, recover. And I think we'll see more and more of those. Uh, and then, of course, I think there'll be novel interventions. Um, I'm really interested in the use of biometrics and what they tell us about someone's presentation and how, and that's, you know, using machine learning, artificial intelligence that tells us um how someone's presenting and what, you know, ultimately what treatments they might best respond to. I think that that's where the digital technology can take us. And thinking about people who work at the front line in mental health and in health services generally, we've seen this real kind of development of interest in a trauma-informed approach, and that's become really part of the vernacular. And we've also seen lots of, you know, trauma-focused interventions. How do you see that developing? Um, and, and what would your message be, first of all, to frontline health practitioners who are thinking, you know, I need to improve the care I provide for people affected by trauma because we're just seeing this, you know, so much more frequently now. How do you think people can really provide a much more focused service. As you said, the, the kind of focus on trauma-informed care has really, in the last decade, there's been a real energy behind trauma-informed care. and You hear it kind of thrown around a lot, and the question is kind of what is it? To me, the fact that uh, workers are considering the, the populations that they work with um, and recognising that trauma can be part of Um, the population they're working with and that that can impact their presentation and therefore the worker whether a mental health worker or an aged care worker or a homeless um, support person uh, recognizing that um, I can understand my client group better if I understand the impact that trauma has on this individual that's really shifted our understanding of trauma and it's really I, I do think that that's helped a lot of workforces understand why their clients do what they do. And ultimately that increases, um, that that understanding increases um, an awareness of how how can I support, best support this person. And I I think that that's, um, that's 
been really fantastic for the field. So we've done, say, for example, we've worked with homeless organisations so their case workers and support staff can understand why a homeless person might be very, very angry and reactive in a certain situation. And, um, and that just, and then we can do some skills training for the caseworkers about how do you, how do you manage this? And um, some simple skills can really de-escalate a situation. Um, so I, th I think that's really, really helped us as, as trauma experts, work with populations who not necessarily are treating the trauma, but it helps them work with trauma populations. I guess for many people who aren't that experienced at working with trauma, a lot of the time it's a kind of fear of opening a can of worms, you know, so not wanting to start the conversation, even, you know, maybe subconsciously sort of appreciating that something is going on here and the conversation needs to be had, but okay, it's not my responsibility to do that. Um, how do you think we can develop the workforce so that we have a much more confident group of people who do feel that starting conversations and doing what they do well, um, supporting people, listening, all the kind of skills that you have as a health professional, how do you think we can do that more? Look, I, I do think that often workers who work with people who have been impacted by trauma are anxious and scared to talk about traumatic events, and so they avoid it, and it replicates the avoidance that trauma-exposed people also feel, so they're complicit in that process. You know, I do think there are a set of skills that are needed to improve and improve how someone asks about trauma and how someone holds that that trauma because um, there's no doubt that hearing trauma narratives is really can be very distressing and so it's I do think it's important that people have a skill set how to how to ask about trauma in a respectful way and also what do I do with that information once I've got it how, how do I self care um, and manage manage that trauma so there's kind of two sets of skill sets I think are necessary there but that's but I do think asking about trauma in a in a safe um, way is is really important so I'd love to see GPS talk about trauma a bit more like I'd love them general practitioners primary care workers to have confidence and a skill set to ask about trauma because this is you know, our trauma patients attend general practice, practice and they talk about other stuff. They talk about all the, all the physical and the mental health symptoms that they have without actually mentioning the trauma. And so it's often um, the trauma response is um, seen as other problems. And so I think if GPs had more awareness and a skill set to ask about trauma and then hold that trauma, we would see referrals a bit more appropriate referrals to people who can treat the consequences of trauma let's move on and talk about the conference specifically then so this is the 21st australasian conference on traumatic stress taking place on the 14th to the 18th of september why should people come to this event because it is covering a range of trauma mental health such that it has relevance to a whole range of 
practitioners and people who work with other people, really. Uh, so it's it's so I, I think relative to other trauma conferences we've had, it's a much wider and broader program. So for example, you know, in the theme of us challenging the status quo, we um, have a body of programming around uh, physical health and how trauma impacts physical health. And maybe we can actually treat some of the trauma consequences by targeting physical health. So we have Dr. Um, Tatiana Rocks. She's a dietitian and she's going to talk about the impact of diet and, and gut health on PTSD. We have a whole program of work around exercise and that's impact on well-being and how that can uh, improve trauma responses. So that will interest a whole range of, of people who might not be necessarily be mental health practitioners. We are also, you know, looking again at who has access to traumatised people who might not necessarily be mental health practitioners. So the roles, the role of peers is really, really important. And so we do have a um, plenary discussion about how peers can support um, programming and delivery of services. So Dr. John Lane is doing that. So I'm really, really excited to hear about his work. And then um, the other thing I'm really, really, I can't wait to see is we have a, um, a solid programming around uh, refugee mental health. So we have um, Professor Heidi Ellis, who will be looking at the different community-based participatory research methods, which is going to interest the researchers among us. But we have also have a number of clinical sessions that target refugee mental health. So Professor Angela Nickerson is, is looking at emotion regulation treatments for refugees and how that we might be able to incorporate that into the treatment of trauma responses in refugees. And we also have the STARTS group who work with refugees on a consistent basis, and they're looking at some of the challenges of working with refugees during COVID and how they've addressed those challenges. So that will be very, very exciting for the many, many people who work in Australia who work with refugees. There's some really top experts talking about refugee populations. So I hope to encourage people to, to attend ACOTS to hear that program of work. And give people a flavour of what they're going to get access to because it's an online conference this year if you buy a ticket obviously you can come along to the live conference that's happening during the week what else are people going to get access to so the thing we're doing a little bit differently this year is we've tried to keep our programming to when people it's easier for people to attend so rather than a nine to five program we've got some early kind of mid-morning just a couple of sessions and mostly to be honest that's because we've got a lot of people from the US East Coast presenting. Just kind of worked out that way, uh, and so we've kind of we've got an early session where our East our American uh, keynotes can present. So that will be starting the day off with a bang, and then we'll have another session around twelve o'clock. So mapping into people's lunch time, so you can have a quick dose of another plenary or a workshop or a um, symposium. Uh, and then we have a one in the later in the afternoon. So we've kind of we've tried to keep the programming nice and easy for people to to dip in and dip out of the program. And the other thing, of course, is people get access to twelve months worth of the 
uh, recordings. And so that, that'll be really great. If you, if you see something on the program, you can't attend it, you'll be able to access that uh, a bit later on. So that's another exciting um, component to the program. And who would you say is is targeted by this event? Who would you expect to come along to it? I would love to see, first of all, clinicians who maybe don't have heaps of experience working with trauma but are really interested in it. So mental health clinicians who want to, we, are, we have a special stream, a clinical stream, and this is about skill development. So we've brought in a whole range of experts, clinical experts who are just going to speak about um, particular clinical um, aspects of their work. And so that's that would be great for mental health practitioners just to come in and say, what's happening in this particular area? So we've got a lovely one on transdiagnostic interventions. So what do I need to know? How is this relevant to my, I say it's lovely because it's by my team, so I know it's lovely. Um, you know, so, so how, how are transdiagnostic uh, interventions relevant to my work and so you know so those kinds of things I think it's really um, it'll be very useful for mental health practitioners it'll be great for students so students who are either doing PhDs or higher degrees or undergraduate students who are really interested in trauma and thinking about is this something that I want to do more work in so uh, we've got some great networking sessions for students We've got a lot of students presenting, so great opportunity for them to present their work. Uh, and so I do hope that this is an environment that's very collegial and help students just network with people in the area. So that's a really exciting group. Uh, and I do think that there is a, um, an important niche for peers so either people with lived experience or people who, who are supporting people with lived experience, um, I, I think there's that could, there, we, we do have um, a number of symposia and presentations targeting peers. Obviously, we're all desperate to get back to face-to-face -face conferences and that's not possible just yet. But given that this is an online event and it's going to be bringing people together from all over the place, what are you personally most looking forward to about the conference? Oh, uh, you know, I'm so desperate to um, have my dose of international keynote um, plenary sessions. I see, I love going to those where you just get the best people in the world talking about things that I'm interested in but not necessarily an expert in myself. So usually they speak in a way that's very understandable to someone like me who can just, you know, come in at the base level and just really understand and you get this bird's eye view about a really important area. So I'm desperate to hear we've got, I think we've got eight plenaries this year. And so uh, most of them are either international or Australia's leading experts in a particular topic. And so I'm desperate to hear those and have my little dose of international input. I think that will be very exciting. Thank you.